0: The open nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest now in season three the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals couples and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure spirituality and sexuality
1: this week on the open Nesters podcast linea Brickerhoff.
0: As you'll hear in this episode, my dear friend Linnea and I laugh and discuss dancing with this deep concepts, but how we make them lighter with life and death.
1: Let's hear it from Linnea.
0: Welcome, my dear friend Linnea Brinkerhoff, back to the Open Nesters podcast. Hi, sweetheart. Hi,
2: my love.
0: <laughs> so I, I met Linnea and she'll introduce what she does um, and my graduate program on consciousness and she was on the actual on the staff there and this idea of consciousness was something really new to me in my life at the time i knew about mindfulness i was opening up my my way of being and presencing and 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 just exploring what i could learn in curiosity and i just feel like we had such a connection especially through our laughter and joy oh and and then it's amazing that over time we've watched each other the past 10 15 years like go through life death experiences from so many different perspectives. So I let, I I brought you on with this kind of idea that dancing kind of with life and death mm. big topic.
2: <sighs> and and I, it's a, it's a daily reality for me. So yeah. Uh,
0: I, I that's why I wanted you to introduce some of the things you're doing other than, I mean business also and you have a, such a I think an amazing uh non-dualistic mind that can carry the right and the left brain with all that you do in your world. And I think sometimes it's a lot of load, but also has a lot of joy in it. So what do you do that could bring you to this topic? Do you think
2: that's so cool. Thank you. Yes, you were such a willing playmate sweetheart all those all those many years ago, which is why I knew that we would remain in one another's lives because I'll just start by saying the the essence of what I I feel like I do now is, you know, somebody asked me that question, you know, what do you do? What do you do? What do you love about what you do? What's even better than that? And I got down to it, you know, and, and, you know, at first I said, I restore wholeness and human beings. I I help with resilience and, and bouncing back body, mind, spirit. And, you know, I work with people in corporate and, and, and people, end of life and life transitions. I I just said the whole thing (laughs) and then, and then she just kept getting to it, you know, and then I finally just said, I, I I I'm really just um, making the world safe for um, so that I can unearth the most the maximum amount of playmates.
0: <laughs> unearth the maximum amount of playmates. Look what I'm wearing. I'm wearing my T-shirt that says "Play," which is the ultimate form of research that Albert Einstein said, because <laughs> I went to an association for the American Therapeutic Humor Conference once and got this.
2: <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> Wow, sweetie. So we wow. can come
0: to this with lightness. People face death with such heaviness. And holding life and death is what I wanted to talk about, that we can do it the way you and I somehow managed to. I mean, you were there for me and my mom, really, and my mom, even in Florida, which was unusual. Neither of us were ever in Florida at the same time. And when my mom passed on, that's what you helped me kind of hold that space for. To step into in my, in my, um, I remember it was my solar plexus, like you had me massaging it at night and knowing I could take leadership of the eulogy of from the oldest of four. And I actually have a funny memory about my mom because, you know, she, she did, she, she actually, in the end of her life, just to retell this story, which I don't think I've told too often anywhere, but I, but my siblings and I hold this as when she was in hospice on the hospice bed, she was never funny. My mom, she was not, not she was lighthearted, but she was not like she made jokes. She never, she was never the one. She would just laugh at your jokes, which is kind of like me. I don't think I'm a people laugh with me more than you know at my jokes because I like to laugh much more than her. But she was lighthearted, and she decided all of a sudden she had these when she was a uh, rallying kind of back to staying alive there were a few different things she said one of them which I won't forget is that the rabbi was around the the, the bed and and she was kind of semi-conscious and we were all doing these prayers these Psalms around her and mm-hmm. when they got to me and I did it with full enthusiasm as I tend to do everything my mom opened her eyes she said yes he really gets into this stuff <laughs> And we all laughed so hard and she was giggling. It was precious. And then she did something to my baby brother. She said, You know, Josh, you're always such a good dad, and you're such a good you're such you're such a good partner and you're such a good son. You weren't such a great student. And you like, and she like this is at the end of her life. She's like with a little sarcasm and a little smile. Oh. And so, you know what? She rallied in laughter. And it's some of the, it's one of the things I always remember, like, why do we hold everything with so much heaviness? Mm-hmm. And so that's the dance I wanted to talk to you about.
2: Beautiful. Oh, boy. So I feel that. Thank you. How do we hold the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows and bring them together, right? And so... As you know the the yogic posture right of bringing the, the palms together um at the forehead at, at the chin at the heart level that's the the Buddhist approach and it is the reminder to live in the in beyond uh, that in in uh, the tension of opposites you know at any given moment see I, I guess I have a oddly unique skill which I never know about something in probably my astrological chart i think but i'm not really afraid to touch the depths of my grief and sadness and loss and sometimes i'll rock and hold myself in in uh in a in the in the depths of self empathy and and it's kind of a regular experience but honestly the other side of it becomes even more available the bliss the joy the the relief of uh, being able to take this next breath when I know so many cannot. And so um, I've lost so many over these last um, years, and I know that you have too, and so many have, that one foot for me is always where they are. And so I take one, one step in this world and one step in the other world, which I don't know really very much about, but I have a benevolent sense about it. And I think that helps me. So I dance. If I didn't have dance, what I said to my group afterwards is that I think I'd be a really big poopy head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I get st- I-, I feel stuck when I'm not dancing. So I totally get you.
2: Yeah, exactly. It has to do with, um, I think as human beings, you know, and I wrote this in a chapter that I, I wrote not that long ago. Um, I opened the chapter by saying we are accumulators.
0: You we are, we are cu- accumulators, accumulators, accumulators
2: of stuff, of thought forms, of beliefs, of concepts, of ways of moving in the world. We accumulate concepts about what we think is the way to go. And then, we become ossified in that. We become like, that's me, that's not me. And so whenever we get into these very defined situations about that, it makes it really hard to live. And then our bodies start to shrink in, our personalities start to get fixated. It's, you know, fascia starts to grow and like keeps us constricted in ourselves. And that's what opening, opening, opening to the dance to the dance of life and you know also martial arts same thing it's like every day is another chance to get on the mat of life and we ready ourselves and we say and open to life and stay in motion stay on the mat and you know that's what's being asked of us uh, I think and um that for me is total aliveness and that's my goal in life is to be fully expressed and to be fully incarnate before i need to leave this body
0: so you said a lot of things about this movement which i always love to talk about and i mean yoga as well on the mat is that many people practice yoga but the way we practice it with the intention of of really aligning ourselves with all of the of this of this emotional experience of being human Seems like the dance to me. Like, I don't always have the answers, but I know I can always move through emotion that brings me more al- aliveness and a lot a more gratitude for being on this side of the mat. <laughs> Is exactly right.
2: Moving with, and you know, something I, uh, two of my besties have had really severe cancer diagnoses and. I was in a really good mood,, uh, I don't know. This was a couple of weeks ago, and I was and and my my dance class started, you know, and I go on Zoom and I just turn it on regular music, la la la, I'm going to engage. I'll tell you something how quickly I become I get into the structure of my life. I get into the structure of delivery and productivity, and i'm a i'm I'm an addict. I'm an addict to accomplishment. and so. No matter whether I'm a dancer or not, I forget. I constantly forget to move. And my body tells me that. But so I did just a couple little things and danced to that first song. Or I was about halfway through the first song. And I just kind of started, you know, just swaying and just kind of starting very, very gently, just a little movement. And this is also in trauma studies. So once we just titrate and we just let ourselves have a tiny little movement this way or that way, you know, turning the head this way or that way, it begins to unstick what's stuck in our core. And so it begins to open and and some of the energy that we've held in our core can begin to move out our extremities. And we, and, and this is part of the game, is how do we create more tolerance in our being um, and also create enough fluidity so that we don't have to hold it all. We can actually um, move it through ourselves, right? And so, bam, I got hit about halfway through that first song just as I started to barely sway. And I just had a wave of, oh, my God, what if I lose them? And what about her? And what about all those times that we had? And I want to grow old together, Right. And then I just, I walked myself into it and I allowed myself to dance like a little girl that was going to miss them and to, if they go and to dance like, um, and and then to just kind of curl up and just go, no, 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 I don't want to lose my friends. And I really gave myself that moment, that time. And, you know, They may not go in the next 20 years, but I had to go there to the possibility that they might. And you know why? Because I want to build capacity in me to be even more present for them on this journey. And therefore, I needed to face my own grief first and my own sense of hopelessness. And then I was actually, I had to hang with it and it was phenomenally uncomfortable and eventually I got I deepened with my breath because I was like no, oh, no no I just wanted to resist completely and then eventually the wave will move
0: mm-hmm. right
2: mm-hmm. and you're nodding and it's like yes you know this experience and so um and then it was like okay now I'm just gonna kind of stretch oh now I'm reaching to the sky Oh, my wings are opening. Oh, I'm remembering my heart joy with my friends. You know what? Let me celebrate every sweet moment I have with them. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I'm going to be the best that they. I'm going to be the best buddy to them during this process. So, wow, that
0: really helped you show up in in exactly what we talk about, and your through your embodied experience. that you can can then remind yourself. And it's not like we get there and it's over. We have to remind ourselves again and dance again. Mm -hmm. And so that's this life between life and death. I do feel like that's exactly what I was hoping to discuss with you because we're kind of holding all these in our body, these unfinished wishes and regrets that often people say that they have at the end of life if they haven't experienced something that they can show up more fully as they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so allowing for that by facing that hopelessness was so telling for me to listen to because that's the thing that as this stage of life can bring us it can bring us so much wisdom and so much and I, I sometimes feel like joy is also holding sadness it's not an elusive happiness so being joyful. I mean, even at a wedding, you know, talk about rituals, and I do want to get into rituals a little bit because you do such a good job of that in your ceremonies for weddings and for for both you've done, I know. But rituals show you, in in the Jewish ritual, we hold that joy with the sadness inside that you're breaking the glass, that Mm -hmm. things can shatter any time. And, And we are all that fragile. So when we can hold it more closely and call it joy and know that it's not this elusive happiness and we, maybe there's a way to just expand our ability to hold those things.
2: Wilhelm Reich, you know, um, he says in, in, inherent in expansion are the seeds of contraction. And so, look, we are organisms. We cannot avoid this. We inhale. And, you know, eventually we get in the downside of inhaling, like, inhale. If all we ever did was inhale, we would be dead really soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Release it,
2: release it. (laughs) We must exhale. Ruach. This is how we come to be. We exhale. We are the breath of God. And eventually we need to inhale again. (laughs) It's like if, and, and and then last quote, you know, I don't want to be obnoxious about it, but, but Emerson, right. And he's a great lover of nature. He said, nature does what, uh, uh, unconsciously what we must do consciously. The leaves, they come and they go in the fall, the wildflowers come out and they and they sing their song and they fade and they're not angry about it. Yeah, they're, no, not they're blaming not. anybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not, they're not going to trauma relief, you know, services because they had a they're living their rhythm, their God-given rhythm. And you know i'm not sure why it's so hard for us to accept that at some point i mean it's like uh religious orders or you know things that along the way uh tried to control society and and just said you know live in the in the in the medium right even buddhism says you know live in the middle lane you don't want extremes right and the scientists in my life they feel the same way all my clients my corporate clients they're all phd postdocs brilliant thoroughbred uh, human beings, and accepting this—the rocking and rolling of life—is <laughs> not. It's it's definitely last thing on their agenda. You know, they try very hard to control and keep things in uh, the middle lane. And
0: most people do. I mean, you know, and I I do love actually part of my master's uh, training in the in the transformative life coaching program. I remember Guthrie uh, was our teacher told us in our class to play all the keys of the of the of the piano, like play all the keys of the piano. It's not, I mean, what, what if we're not living fully, if we're not. So I didn't realize Buddhists kind of kept us in, in that. And I know that it comes from a really, if you take the best of all divine practices, we can learn so much from every sort, every religion and every spiritual practice. There are things to how we want to integrate, but the embodiment of feeling is part of who we are as humans. It's our gift. I mean, it so I do a- wonder with rituals, when you create some of the rituals around death, if you could speak to that, what were some of the surprising or the wonderful ones that you feel like really spoke and resonance to the family? Because death is a family affair, also. It's a it is a family event. And how does a how, how can rituals be used is what I wanted to ask you.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Beautiful. Um, well, ritual are us. <laughs> um <clears throat> anything can become a ritual, you know? It's like, and something in us is um, soothed. I will just say in trauma work, working with women, for instance, who have been violated, to, to to just be with them as they give themselves permission to move again because they were blamed for being attractive and they were in their movement and in their femininity and then they got raped and it was like, no, 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 let's, so to create, so I create a safe container for them. And, and actually, what do they want to do? They want to feel pure again. And so we just simply wash hands, wash hands, wash feet, move again, just wash off all that energy that's not theirs and, and to give them back the gift of themselves, right? And so incredibly simple processes. And for me, when I go out into the woods, just for a simple walk, I something might emerge, you know, like that I'm, I've been working on. And I'll just look at a piece of something in nature. It could be an acorn or a, um, uh, a stick and the way that the stick is formed or Um, maybe it's been through the water and washed off all of its rough edges. And it's like, and I'm, I'm aspiring to that in myself. And so, um, and seeing the heart, my hardships as that, which is just taking off my, my hard edges and making me more supple and open to, to my, my best destiny and, 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 um, Uh, giving back to that which gave me life, right? And so, and I'll just arrange them in a simple way. And before I know it, you know, I have a little mini sculpture in front of me and, and it, it speaks only to me. Nobody else needs to know anything about that, right? And it could be aspirational. It could be something I'm giving up. But let me go to end of life kinds of rituals. And so I've been called a death doula. So it's like a doula. Like when a, a mother goes to have her baby, um, it's the one who takes care of the mother. It's the one who makes sure that the mother is well fed and well tended because she's the one who really needs to take care and be with the baby. Um, and so this is just the same when someone is passing. Um, what is their wish? Who do they want to be around them? Who is disturbing? to their energy, who doesn't? Who do they not wanna to be touched by? What scent, lavender? What, what do you want in the room with you? What gives you that sense of home? What allows you to release and let go? Who do you want me to give that ring to, but you wanna hold on to it to the moment you pass? I mean, that's listening deeply to the whispers of the one who has their business to do uh, with their own private God. And so um, I have, I will say, now backed up from the very end of life to the just before that. And I've got about five elders that I spend time with and that I cycle around um, loving in my own way. And, you know, now my focus is on engaging them in being fully alive before they go. And all that has to do with being in their sensory being. And because I will give you this piece of research, which is healing happens only when someone in their being has a felt sense of self. Like, I can feel I, myself myself um i mean that's what people do psychedelic journeys for these days is to have intimacy with the self and when i've had my experiences with that i literally say i taste my soul so so having the 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 elder have a felt sense of themselves and then a felt sense of another witnessing reflecting holding laughing shaking touching them seeing them And then when they're held in a larger, coherent field and connected to something larger, that's healing. That's healing in in the present moment. And so my job now is to play, to laugh, to move, to sway, to rock, to lean on, to snuggle with, to giggle. That's what I do with my elders. And we share, we share images and we talk about memories and, and and then I take them out and I'll just show up randomly at their house. And I'm like, did you see the moon? Well, you just better get out of bed because we got to go look at the moon. And then, oh, look at what's blooming over here. Why don't we touch this? Oh, did you just feel that wind? You acted like you didn't. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) so it is just the most wondrous thing. And I, and then I have no question they have, by the time they're ready to go, there's this beautiful completeness. And I just want to give you this one story of something that recently happened. Okay. This is with my beloved Pearl Malkin. Pearl was 99 years old. And she has been telling me for the last couple of years. Ah, oh, for God's sake, why am I here? I can't I can't figure out what to eat for dinner. I shouldn't be here anymore. You know? my, my. Um, <laughs> she said, my tits, my tits, they're down to my vagina. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so and I'm like, she's like. She, you know, I said, hey, I'll see you about four o'clock today. Oh, yeah, but maybe I'll be dead. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, try, try me, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm like, girl, honey, you've got way too much life force. You're not going today or this month. I'm really <laughs> sorry. We got to make the best of this. Right. And so we spent a lot of time doing that. Right. And it was just hilarious and wonderful it, she was very three d. She was very grounded on this plane, right? She had three sons, you know from Long Island here, you know, and moved out here to California um and and sh- and zero for faith, zero for a sense of anything in the hereafter. It's just a black hole, right? So she didn't have a lot to look forward to what happened eventually, and she tried to go many times, but uh, it didn't work, but recently, about about a month ago, she uh, she is she she took the turn, and I showed up, and there was a small group of us around her, set her up on some pillows, and basically, it was the coolest thing, honey, because she was there in her nightie. We're all just like, and she's just a beautiful being. She's just beautiful, but her gaze was no longer here. No longer in our eyes, boom, boom. And she was, you know, very earth earthbound. It, it was a split gaze. Every once in a while could she could semi-focus on us, but then her gaze was deep, deep, deep out. It was like I've never seen anything like it. Out into the universe. Like she was cast out. It was just multi-dimensional gaze. And the only thing she said was, wow. Wow. <laughs> and i tell you it was such a privilege so just sat and gently you know held her gently rocked you know just snuggled in beside her and she was you know she knew we were there but and that's what allowed her to take leave and it was a gradual sweet Walking towards and just almost taking flight, you know, um, starting to move from the denseness into this. You can almost feel this sort of gossamer being lifting from her and that she was heading to a really lovely place. And her sons were like they themselves and they were never of God, so to speak. And they had a transformational experience, each one of them. Wow. Being around here, yeah, and the wow is the thing to say. <laughs>
0: the wow is the thing to say, and we, and just just shows us all that witnessing the transition like this without fear is something that we just don't know how to do in the West. So I do wonder how you help people start, if there are certain resources or books, because I, I can't keep you on that much longer. And um, so I do wonder, like, are there any things you'd, for, and also how people can reach you if they want to create their own rituals and end of life. Um, programs for their families.
2: Linnea, Linnea Brinkerhoff. Well, I do have a a website. It's called virtualmemorials.org, virtualmemorials.org. And that's where we help people honor um, online their beloved. But, uh, and then I have um, contact me directly, right? Linnea Brink at Gmail, Linnea Brink at Gmail, right? There is death doula training that's available out there.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. We have a um, we have another podcaster, Karen Ballone, who does that training, who was, uh, sorry, episode interview in this, <clears throat> and that we, I think we called The Parallels of Life and Death. So we had in season one, now we're in season three, but you could find Karen Ballone on our website, and she does yeah. training.
2: Okay. And, you know, listen, I mean, I trusted my gut, sweetie, because I wasn't with Pearl the moment that she passed. I, I, I. I was on the road in San Francisco and um, her son, I got a hold of him and he was, and I said, where are you right now? And he said, I'm in the kitchen. And I said, where's your mom? She's in the bedroom. And I said, her body's in the bedroom and you're in the kitchen texting. And I said, I'm pulling over. I'd like you to go. You have the opportunity of a lifetime right now. Her consciousness is still available to you and you can do a beautiful piece of work and say everything you've never said and be with her in a way that will free you for the rest of your life and free her soul. So please go to the bedroom. And so these are the kinds of things that I just intuitively know what to do. And I spent the next hour with him. And then just as we closed, a hospice showed up for her body. And um, But it was, I said, you know, yes, I know your mom's been a worry her whole life. Guess what? She doesn't, she's not going to worry anymore about you. So, how does that free you? Right. And what do you want to say to her? And he's a man who's been wanting to be gay his whole life. Right. And she never really wanted that. So he said, Mom, I'm gay. Oh my God. I'm crying. And I said, I said, take her hand. I said give her give her a kiss right now. I said just talk to her, whisper in her ear. What do you want her to know? What's the send off? And now let's get quiet. What's what what's the final message that you want to receive? And is there anything else? Scan your being. Become just totally pure right now and just sit in the celebration of what the best of this relationship has been and um vow to be together again in the better and higher manner. So all of this. So, I mean, these are the things that we can create from anything. There's no normal moment. Everything is so precious. This, this next breath, right? And our incredible ability to move. And so even the tiniest little titration, the tiniest little movement can remember, can allow us to have greater capacity to hold the tension, to hold the charge of emotion. We get scared of it. It's just energy in motion. And so I encourage us to be able to dance between the 10,000 joys, the 10,000 sorrows, and alchemize them. That is what our body is meant for. We are alchemical vessels. And it is a great, great privilege to have taken human birth. So...
0: Thank you for this amazing wisdom. You are just becoming such a beautiful, wise woman and for the work you do in the world, my beautiful, dear friend. Thank you. Well, Amir, as you know, I talk a lot about play in my life and try to lead a life of play and and love so that we can face our death with more grace and this idea of unearthing more playmates along the way. Is so great for me because I do think that when we do that, we're living more fully.
1: It's a tough, it's a tough subject and a tough um, topic to 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 really grasp, and especially when you want to embrace grief, grief before it's really happened. And this is what Linnea is saying that she's doing in order to be uh, available and hold space for the people in her life that is near end, right? It is. And
0: it's keeping that idea that we are just part of the bigger circle of life and, and to create that help people create the intimacy of, of loving themselves so that they can rock and they can be and they can just be in motion, this energy in motion that that we can't define. These are the things that are all the mysteries of life. So all we can do is try to do the best to show up fully in our love, our playfulness, our joy, and not make it about everything is going to be about me and what I'm losing here.
1: I always had problem facing grief and really talking about it openly the way Linnea is, and, and you obviously, in the last uh, few months and a year, how you are talking about it is a much, much better. I mean, you know, I forgot which movie I saw it in. It says something that says that Death is the only thing that actually gives life any significance, as as horrible and pleasurable as it may be. And I think it's so true. Uh, and he was talking about eternity. Remember that?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm you know I'm going through this right now with my dad. About to he really in the last year of his life, and we all go through this as open nesters. So it's an important topic that I want to address with the grace and 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 joy of celebrating. Life as we do, because not everybody can face kind of what it is that they want to leave, and what is it? What is it that they that they want to create around them in their last moments? They don't. But if we can define that, and we can help others think about who are the people they want with them, what do they want? What is this? What is this? What, what can these moments represent as a transition that we don't know? The mysteries, the mystical right. side of life. It is the unknown. And so just standing and witnessing it and the way she talks about it, rocking with it, loving with it, playing with it, embracing it, feeling the breeze of it, feeling it and not knowing that, it, that, that even if we have a hard time and it hurts and it's sad and we're gonna, I'm going to let go of my, of my family as we do, with, as we do our parents or anybody else in our life with such deep sadness and despair. And the, as many people know of uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross's work, which is the five levels of grief, and then there's more another one I've heard read about that's meaning making around grief is what you're saying is how do we create the meaning of living a life more fully, and yet going through what we have to go through to get there, and so there's so many ways to look at it, and I love what she brought to light here, and I and I knew that the conversation and, would be and
1: the most significant part that it's it is related to the openness there's, Uh, that uh, will face these type of things in the act stage of their life so uh, I think that we have other episodes that dealt with grief Tessa right?
0: Yeah we have the parallels of life and death as I mentioned with Karen Ballone in our season one and we're going to be doing another one about a very to, to follow the weekend about dancing with grief and loss and transforming it that I'm very involved in, in really expanding my understanding and hopefully my facilitation of these kind of things.
1: So stay in touch and also visit our website, theopenestors.com the double n in the middle, S at the end and hopefully you can uh, listen to some old episode uh, on this subject and other subject that we may have and Really visit our close Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm, our close Facebook group where we're talking a lot about sex and sexual healing keeps you alive after grief. I'll tell you that. That's true. For me, it's a big part of that. But sensuality, the sensuality, sensuality like she talked about. We're really trying to build that discussion group. So go to the Open Nesters and we'd love to have your voice. Join us, invite, we'll we'll just ask to join and we'll let you in. And thank you for sharing with people that need to hear this because you've helped make us a podcast that people want to hear. And subscribe. Many topics. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform as well because that helps. And follow us on Instagram too.
1: Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. We'll see you on the next episode. Ciao.
0: You have been listening to The Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avipatat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.